Hi friends, I'm Katie Brinkley and you're listening to Rocky Mountain Marketing. With nearly two decades helping business owners, consultants, and coaches with their digital marketing, I know that social media can be an incredible tool to grow your business when you know how to do it the right way. And that's what we're going to do today. I teach you how to navigate the world of entrepreneurship and digital marketing, and hopefully you'll grow your business with a few great tips you wouldn't have known otherwise, and maybe even discover a great local business you love. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Rocky Mountain Marketing. Today's guest, I've actually had the opportunity to see speak on stage pre-pandemic. I started listening to his podcast. I became a huge fan, signed up for the newsletter. And then a few months ago, I had the opportunity to join him on stage. So I'm really excited to bring you all Rich Brooks. Rich is the founder and president of Flight New Media, a digital agency in Portland, Maine. No puffins, but there are lobster. (laughs) And he's been in business for nearly 25 years. He's a nationally recognized speaker on entrepreneurship, digital marketing, and social media. That's how I first got introduced to him. And he also has the podcast, The Agents of Change, which um, I listen to. He has a conference, The Agents of Change. Man, Rich, the list goes on, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass the microphone over to you so we can hear your voice a little bit. Tell us, uh, tell us just a little bit about you and, and, and what you do. Wow. I don't know. You kind of covered a lot of the exciting highlights for sure. I am an agency owner like you. I run a company for the past. It's actually now it is 25 years. We've got, I should have been wearing my flight new media 25 anniversary logo sweatshirt that I got. That's a huge accomplishment, Rich. I mean, like 25 years of being a business owner. No, that's a huge accomplishment because being an entrepreneur, especially at the beginning is scary. And for 25 years in business, that's, that's awesome. I appreciate that because I rarely pat myself in the back. In fact, I've had business coaches quit on me because they're like, you know, you don't really celebrate anything and that's just who I am. But even I was like, holy cow, 25 years, that is a long time to be in business. And uh, it really came home. I think it was end of last year when I realized I had an employee who was actually born after I started my company, you know, so that tells you something right there about how long you've been doing it. But, uh, you know, it's been a a lot of hard work and up and down as every agency owner knows. Um, But, you know, I've been blessed by hiring the right people and getting great clients uh, and just refusing to quit. I mean, you also do regular TV appearances talking about different tech and I mean, 25 years in this industry, Rich, I I think it pauses a lot of people to stop and say like, well, wait a second, has digital marketing really been around for, for 25 years now? Like what websites, has it been that long? Well, I mean, we started a uh, campaign this year about how long we've been in business. And like one of the things was google.com. Um, actually got their domain name after I started, you know, running my own business. So it's just, we have definitely been, they, they they're more successful than we are. I have to admit, you know, but it is kind of interesting to see all the changes. I mean, I was designing websites back in the day when it was just me, uh, the browser or the screen size back then was 640 by 480. I mean, it's a postage stamp on today's screens, you know, so things have definitely changed quite a bit. There was obviously, there was no Google, as I mentioned, there was no Facebook, there was no social media or podcasting or blogging or even wikis. Like this was all basically predated that. So it was, it's been interesting to see how things have evolved over all this time. 
It it's so true. And and I want to dive into our topic today, but before I do that, I mean, just going off of how long the internet and digital marketing has been around, like you said, like you were around before Google.com. I mean, I started doing social media 18 years ago. And wow. I know a lot of people like stop and pause and they're like, wait a second, has it really been around that long? And it's yeah, they're MySpace. So that's when true. I got yes. started by by helping bands with their MySpace pages. And it's so true. I don't think I don't think any of us saw what was going to happen in the world of online back when you got started with, with websites, back when I got started with social media. I never expected that you know, hosting for businesses would, would be a full-time job, like helping right. businesses with their websites would be a full-time job. And it's so true now, if, if you're not online in some capacity, does your business really exist? There are few businesses that really can survive these days without a website, without a digital presence. There are a few, but they are few and far between. And I've had those moments. I remember years ago when my now ex-wife, but that had nothing to do with this, said to me, you're spending too much time on Facebook. And I said, no, I'm not spending enough time on Facebook. Like this is going to be big. I remember going to blog world when it was a thing and there was a panel on Twitter and I'm like, what is Twitter? You know, <laughs> those moments were all, or the first time I saw somebody present on YouTube, not as a place where you would upload cat videos, but as a marketing tool and just my mind exploded. There are these moments and this is why after uh, Jessica's event where, where yeah. we saw each other last, um, I went out and I bought an Oculus. I actually bought the Oculus while I was sitting at one of the tables because I'm like, is this going to be the next big thing? I don't know. You know, are we going to be doing Alexa marketing? I don't know. But if you want to stay in this game for a long time, you have to be open to the ideas that some of these stupid ideas are going to pan out. And so you have to check them out, spend a little bit of time with them based on who your clientele and everything like that is, but, but keeping an open mind is critical to surviving in an industry like this one. It, it's so true. And you and I could talk about Jessica's event for the entire podcast. It was such a great event. The event that we're talking about is social media week Lima and uh, Rich put on a, a great presentation there um, all about remarkability. So let's actually take the conversation down that topic because it was such a great again, presentation that really kind of changed the way that I was thinking about how I show up online. So talk to us just a little bit about what remarkability means in this sort of business sense. Right. And I think a lot of this all came about because I started to see that, you know, we talked a little bit about this. Everybody, these days, everybody is a website. Almost everybody knows that you're supposed to optimize for Google. Everybody knows you're supposed to be on social media. You should be running ads, all these sorts of things. That has become table stakes. So maybe five, 10 years ago, optimizing your website for Google would have all of a sudden gotten you a lot more market share, but now you have to do that just to survive. Same thing with all these other things I mentioned. Everything we do, at least I see out there, has a shorter and shorter shelf life before everybody catches up with it. So you can get on that treadmill and you and I are both on that treadmill to a certain degree, but is there something different? This is where it all started me thinking like, what is what can we do that will allow us to still play in this area, but we're not constantly on the treadmill, not constantly having to deal with all this sort of stuff? And and the idea is, how do you stand out? Like, what is really going to make you different, make your marketing easier? Um, what's going to help you kind of attract the right type of clients? Uh, all these sorts of things. And it kind of coalesced for me around this idea of remarkability and that everybody, every company, every brand is or could be remarkable. 
And a lot of times when I say that word, some people love that word and some people feel like it's this big, hairy, audacious thing that there's nothing remarkable about me. And my feeling is there probably is. And maybe some people, it's easier to find that than other people or companies, brands, whatever. Um, but part of the idea here is what is it that's going to help you stand out? What is it that's going to attract those right clientele? What is it that's going to help you set up high barriers to competition? And the idea is nothing new. The, what I call remarkability has been called a unique selling or value proposition. It's been called the blue ocean strategy. It's been called the purple cow, uh, if you're a follower of uh, Seth Godin. But what I try to figure out and make easy for my clients to understand is a process that you could replicate, that you could go down this path and figure out what makes my brand either remarkable already or what could make my brand remarkable. And that's where I started developing out this idea of the remarkability formula, which has four lenses. And that's certainly something that we could do a little bit of a dive into each. Yeah. One. Let's, let's dive in to that rich. And I actually love the term remarkability and remarkable because uh, growing up, I played softball from age 11, all the way through college. And my dad was my coach growing up until I was 18 and, you know, left the competitive scene and went just collegiate, but he got these stickers and it said, you are remarkable on it. And so oh, whenever nice. we would have these, uh, you know, like you'd have a great play or like, I remember one time I was playing left field and a girl hit a ball. It was a hard grounder and I just charged it and threw her out at first. Well, I did have a good arm, but I mean, like she thought that like, <laughs> okay, I, I can take my time. But right. like, I got a remarkable for that. And so like yeah. at the end of the year, we could use our remarkables for like beef jerky or whatever, like he had a little store. But so like for me, <laughs> that it, that remarkability like always makes me smile. And I love that you have an entire session, uh, entire like strategy around this, because I think it's a term that maybe some of us almost feel a little bit ashamed of, of trying to be like, I don't, I'm not remarkable. I, I don't, right. I don't need to be remarkable, but with these four, these four tools that you talk about, it, it's a different way of thinking about this term. So let's right. dive right in. Yeah. And I'll just say that for me, in this case, remarkability just means literally the definition in the uh, dictionary that it's something worth remarking upon. So that's kind of the idea. Not that you're the number one athlete in the world or anything like that, but maybe you made a remarkable play. Maybe you've got a remarkable arm, whatever the case may be. So the four lenses that I talk about are find, focus, forge, and frame. And so with find, uh, I'll mention each one and then we can dig deeper. So with find, it's like, there's already something remarkable about your business. You just need to do the work of identifying it and naming it through focus. It's the idea of niching down, of serving a smaller audience uh, with forge. It's about creating something extrinsic to your core offering. And that one usually need, requires a little bit of extra explanation and some stories. Uh, and the last one is frame, which is really just reframing the positioning of what you offer so that it becomes more valuable to at least a certain segment of the population. So with those four, I usually start people down find first because it may not require any changes to your business, right? There's already something remarkable about your business. And just quick example here, uh, when I, and I talked about this on stage, when I bought my first house, it needed a paint job. Most people would say, well, house painting, there can't be anything remarkable about that. You know, you might have better Yelp reviews. You might be a little bit cheaper, but that's not remarkable. That's not going to get people talking about it. 
But what happened is the company that we ultimately hired said they could get the job done in just two days, which compared to everybody else seemed remarkable to me. We ended up hiring them. And the way this guy accomplished it is he had the team of about 20 people and they showed up in four vans. Like nobody does that. It's usually, there's even a name for it. It's like uh, two chucks in a truck or something like that. You know, like how a lot of house painting companies work. And within one day, they just set up the ladders, painted the entire house, came back a couple of days later, did it again for the second coat. And that was it. And you can imagine seeing that many guys working in your house, the neighbors took notice. They asked me questions. They talked about it. You know, it was really, that is remarkable the way they delivered it. It could be in the way you deliver your products or services. It could be in your um, packaging. It could be in your people. Maybe there's something remarkable. Maybe you have a thought leader on your team that everybody wants to work with. Um, or it could be your pricing. And when I say that, I don't mean just having cheap pricing. I mean, it could be that you're the most expensive or the least expensive. The least expensive, I used to belong to Columbia Record Club, you know, for those of us old enough to remember when records would be sent through the mail. But it was 11 records for one penny. Like that People would take notice. It was remarkable. Or the example of uh, Grey Goose Vodka, that was a pre could have been a premium brand when it came out, and seventeen dollars was the average price for a premium bottle. Instead, they said, "No, we're super premium," and they sold their bottles for thirty dollars. And people took notice, and suddenly it's like this was your way of establishing how successful you were was by having a bottle of Grey Goose vodka in your home bar. And they, within like, I think it was just like 10 years, ended up selling that business for $2 billion to Bacardi. That's the idea of being remarkable. And that's something that was already in their business. Like that's something that you can find when it comes to remarkability. And I love that we're starting with find, because I think that no matter where you are with your business, sometimes it can be hard to find like what is What's different? What does make me stand out from a sea of competitors? I, I talk about this a lot, like when I'm uh, talking about like setting up your your bio, your Instagram bio, you know, you have 150 characters to quickly say what you do, who you serve and why you. And that's, that's kind of the find, the why you. And when someone sits down and says like, well, I mean, I don't know what really does make me remarkable. I don't know how to find my find. What's one of the tips that you would have them do to really kind of find what makes them different and embrace that part of their brand? I mean, and I'm just going to give an example here, Rich. So for me, I was actually embarrassed about the fact that I was doing social media for so long. It, I was like, oh, I don't want people to know I started with MySpace, like helping bands. Like I wasn't getting paid. I was getting like free access to shows and, you know, mostly networking. It wasn't like a job job. And, you know, I, it took a, a coach to say like, nobody else was really like thinking about social media in that regard back then, Katie, like you were like, what's an opportunity for me to get some free concert tickets. I work at a radio station. Let's see what can happen. And I was like, Oh, okay. So yeah. it took some, some kind almost persuasion to embrace my find. So that's an interesting approach because in some ways, like what you were doing was remarkable because you were the only one doing it. I think what becomes tricky for a lot of companies is that they're doing something and they feel everybody's doing it. Like I'm another house painting company, as an example, I'm another vodka. So one thing I might recommend to those people 
people listening right now would be is talk to some of your favorite clients. Why do they choose you? They may say things about the reason they chose you that you had no idea. You just did it because you thought it was the right thing to do, or that's how things are done. And they're like, no, 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 no. You know, one of the things that I hear from businesses that come to flight from another agency is things like, you know, they never came to us with new ideas. They never were available when we needed to talk. We never knew what was really going on. So a lot of our, especially our ongoing marketing with clients is about addressing all those issues. Like what's one new thing we can try this month that we talk about in the meetings that we have with them. And we meet with them at least once a month, face-to-face, Zoom, whatever, those kind of things. And then very transparent about what's working and what's not working, because these are the things we heard from other people and why they came to us. So take a look at what's already going on take a look at Talk to your clients if you have them and ask them, why did you choose me? You might find, no pun intended there, you might find that something exists in your business that you didn't realize made you remarkable and it already exists. But the other thing I'd say is if you don't find something, then keep digging. And even if you do have that really amazing thing that helps you stand out, you should keep going through the other three lenses anyway because the more things you tend to layer on top of each other, the more remarkable that final offering, that final positioning becomes. Well, I could stay on find for this entire episode, but I want to move into the other three Fs. So so let's move on to the second F here, which was focus, right? Right. Yeah. So focus is the idea of niching down. And, you know, everybody says the riches are in the niches, unless you're outside the US, then I'm not sure what they say because they pronounce (laughs) it differently. But the bottom line is this is the idea of either narrowing your audience, narrowing your offerings, like going again, like everybody wants to be all things to all people. That's a mistake almost every entrepreneur makes when they first start out. I um, did but that. The whole, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I still struggle with it. I'm not going to lie. Um, but the idea is, you know, can you focus, like if you are, um, you know, uh, we'll, we'll stick with agencies because it's top of mind. If you're an agency owner or you're a coach, I know you have a lot of um, listeners who are coaches, you know, like saying you're a business coach, that's okay as opposed to being just a general coach for anything. But then could you be a leadership coach? Could you be a leadership coach that focuses on women? Could you be a leadership coach that focuses on women who want to leave the corporate world and start their own entrepreneurial journey? Like, can you just keep on niching down? And one thing I'll say about niching is you can create the perfect niche for you. That doesn't mean you're not going to attract people from outside that ideal niche. It just means that you're out there talking about how you help in that particular case, women who are at, maybe they've hit the glass ceiling, maybe they, they're a CEO, but they're not really happy in that role. They want to do their own thing. You help them with that transition. All of a sudden you become the go-to person for that. Um, The other thing that's really nice about narrowing your focus is people tend to pay more for specialists than they do for generalists. So Mm -hmm. that's another reason there's, and we don't really go into this in the presentation, but you know, I'm always thinking about digital uh, marketing. The more you niche down, the more your SEO opportunities go up, the more you're targeting for your Facebook ads go up, you know, these kind of things. So even though it seems to go against the grain, think about ways that you can niche down. And when I moved into my new house, um, I was looking for a new oil delivery uh, company. And I, uh, you know, being the cheapskate that I am, I went online and I checked prices. And the cheapest one uh, was just, a, you know, I reached out to them and I saw that they had a very small delivery uh, area, but they did go to parts of Scarborough, which is where I live. They were like one block away when you saw their circle of where they would go. And I talked to the woman and she's like, yeah, sorry, we can't do it. 
And like, although I'm like, I'm just one extra block, they had decided that this is the audience that they were going to serve. And by not having to move that oil much farther, they could keep their prices down. They couldn't serve a wider audience, but they could serve that audience better than anybody else. That is like a great example of how you can really niche down. And does niching down hurt? It absolutely can. But the bottom line is people will pay more for that service very often and you will attract that ideal customer more often. And suddenly you're the only person doing that. This is how you create these high barriers to competition, how you separate yourselves from your competition is by going after that narrower niche. I, and I love that because it, it, like I said before, like I was definitely making that mistake when I first started my business. I was like, I knew social media for anyone really. You right, know, right. And, and can't, I still can. But when you, when you take that step back and be like, who do I really enjoy working with the most? Who do I see the best results from who, you know, like, and you really start looking at what, I mean, like, this is why we're entrepreneurs, right? Like what fills our bucket, like for, for the type of people we work with you know, it's, it's more enjoyable to go to work. You've, you've created that niche of like, these are the specialty people that I help. And, you know, can you do it? Other people? Sure. But you're going to really excel in this area and everyone's going to win. Let's go on to the next F, which was forge. So this one's a little tricky when I talk about it for people to understand the first time around. And the idea is maybe you can create something that is extrinsic to your offering, that is not required for people to actually work for you. And one good example is my own conference. And same thing with Jessica's conference. The conference is called Agents of Change. It's all about digital marketing. So I should also mention that a good thing to forge is something that is in alignment with what you're already doing too. So we're a digital agency, mostly kind of a done for you digital agency. People hire us to build websites, SEO, so on. The agents of change idea is basically what are the tools you need to become a better digital marketer or, or just kind of reach an audience online. So we're putting all that content out there. Now, you do not have to go to the conference to hire Flight New Media, nor do you have to hire Flight New Media to go to the conference. But when I get up on stage to start the day at, at AOC, agents of change, and everybody is eyes on me, they're seeing me as the person who brought this conference to Maine, which is, by the way, just a unique thing anyways. We don't generally have conferences that are 300 plus people in Maine. And <laughs> then also they see me at the booth with Flight New Media. And so all of a sudden there's this connection. So then when they go home and whether it's, you know, like uh, the next week or two years down the road, when they're talking about who should we hire for our website or SEO or social media, we immediately become part of the conversation. So it's a very beneficial thing. We forged something that's not part of our core offering, but it's very much related to that. Um, another example is Ben and Jerry's ice cream. They created this ice cream flavor. They called it Pecan Resist. Now, the first $100,000 they raised and then this ice cream went to four progressive organizations, nonprofits, because Ben and Jerry's is a liberal company and this was important to them. Now, did it anger some people perhaps on the other side? I'm sure it did. But the bottom line is for their core audience, they loved this idea um, and they forged it. They created the name that it was really, except for the fact pecan was a clever pun, had nothing to do with the ice cream, right? Mm -hmm. But people got excited about doing that. And I think it's the same thing for my pillow. Nobody buys a my pillow pillow because they want a better night's sleep. They buy it because they believe that worldview or they don't buy it because they don't buy into that worldview. 
And, and it's interesting too, because we actually were talking about something similar with this, with the podcast, you know, earlier. And, and you're like, so, so tell me a little bit more about like when you're speaking, you know, like what, what is the goal? And, you know, that's similar how it is with me with this podcast. You know, I have the podcast that I can bring all these digital marketing experts from around the world to my audience and I'm the one hosting it. So it's, it's right. very similar with, with having a podcast too. Now I want to move on to the last one with frame. Let's dive into that final F. Yeah. So it's a variation in some ways on find. It's already things that you're doing in your business, but the way that you change the positioning makes all the difference. And one example is Red Bull. When Red Bull came to market, they could have gone head to head with Coke and Pepsi and just been another carbonated sugar water and they would have been crushed. But what they did instead is they doubled the price, shrank the size of the can, and promoted this ingredient called taurine, which apparently sprouts wings on your back, right? So that was basically the whole thing about this. And they called it an energy drink, which was an emerging trend at the time. <laughs> Fast forward to today, they're a $6 billion company. They're, they're known everywhere in the world. Companies like Coke and Pepsi created products to compete directly with them. So they just reframed what they were offering, moving it away from sugar water to basically this energy drink. And that made all the difference. I also told a story on stage about a woman who was teaching Mandarin in California and business was great. But then all of a sudden she faced stiff competitions from some startups and from things like Fiverr. And she was starting oh, to go yeah. out of business, struggling. And she hired this coach who basically you know, discovered that two of her clients were business people who had been relocated to China and had to learn language quickly. Not only had she been teaching them Mandarin, she was teaching them Chinese business etiquette. She was working with their spouses and children to acclimate them to what their new experience would be in China. It's very expensive to send an employee to China and to have them fail within a month because they didn't understand the customs or their family just couldn't cut it. That's a huge loss. So all of a sudden he had her focus entirely on this audience, reframe herself. She wasn't adding any services. She just became the China success coach. And from then on, she didn't have to compete with people who were teaching Mandarin. She went after this niche business of people looking to relocate because of business to China, which again, now we're talking about frame and mixing it with focus. With so focus, again, yeah. start putting these things together. And all of a sudden, you're going to start attracting more of your ideal customers. You're going to have these high barriers to competition where people can't go head to head with you. And if you do continue, you know, start marketing your business, it's going to be a lot easier because you've got something that people can really hang on to, that they really see, oh, if I'm, I am moving to China, I need these services, I'm willing to pay a premium because this woman, in this case, is going to help me succeed in China. For those that are listening right now and they their light bulbs have been turned on, they're like, okay, the, this this makes so much sense. And I've been, you know, putting up the barriers and finding all the resisting um on trying to niche down or niche down, niche down. But <laughs> this makes sense, Rich. And I'm ready to to really focus in on these four Fs how do I communicate this with my, with my clients or with my customers? Like how, how would you recommend that these, that people who are listening right now communicate this change, communicate their remarkability with their clients? It's so much on a case by case basis to, to figure out, but once you've 
kind of got this idea of like, he, we're going to be the China success coach or whatever the case is that's going to make you remarkable. I mean, bluntly, it's got to be the messaging that goes up on your website. It's got to be in social media and the channels where your ideal customer is going to be responsive to that kind of messaging as well. And you've got to be consistent with this messaging. I mean, there's a lot more detail we could go into, but that's basically it. Once you realize what your own remarkability is, that becomes what you talk about. And you'll yeah. find like, if you start talking about like, oh, well, I help people with their lead gen, or I help people with their e-commerce, or I help people with life transitions when they have been downsized, whatever it is that you are decide that you're going to focus on, that you will start to attract the attention of those kind of people. Now, once you know this, and, and of course, one thing I'll say is remarkability is like beauty, it's in the eye of the beholder. So if your clients don't find your remarkability remarkable, then it's not. So it has to resonate with, with your core audience. But assuming that it does, once you start blogging about it or podcasting about it or creating videos that really hit the pain points for your ideal customer, they're going to come find you. And then it's just about making sure that you show up in the way that you have kind of positioned yourself so that you and your customers or clients can succeed. And it's so true. I think that once you decide you want to one show up on social media, show your face, you know, speak if you're going on podcasts and start speaking your message, it makes it a lot easier for you to when you go to networking events, you know exactly who you're trying to talk to. And it's not to say like, oh, well, wait a second, you do this. I'm not gonna even bother talking to you. Right. But it make it it helps your confidence because you know exactly what you're looking to do, who you're looking to help, who, who would be a good networking partner, who would be a good person for you to, to align with. And I think that having that understanding makes, can make a a business can take them from being maybe a five figure business to a six figure or a six figure to a seven. And it's, it's taking that step back and accepting what what makes you remarkable and and speaking to that audience on a regular basis you know not just going out and and talking to to everyone because when you're trying to talk to everyone really then you just end up becoming white noise right and, and this is something we've struggled with i mean 25 years in business my ideal customer has changed right we oh, have dramatic. gone yeah, up sure. market to a little bit and we're dealing with some bigger organizations. I still work with people one on one or my team will but the you know the bottom line is we've changed who we're who our ideal customer is. And so you need to go where they are. If I go to a place where, um, you know, startups, well, not startups, but like somebody who is like just out of college and wanting to start a business, like they can't afford me if I'm being blunt about it. I might take them under my wing as a mentor, but they're not a good candidate for flight. So it's about understanding where these people hang out, where the directors of marketing and marketing managers hang out, what kind of searches they're doing, where do they go online and making sure that I or a member of my team show up there and we're helping them and we're using the language that we've kind of created around this remarkability. I mentioned a couple times, it's really about identifying and naming it. And sometimes that naming can be really helpful to getting your point across in a very short period of time. You know, I mentioned to you, a number of people I've talked to, the word remarkable really resonated with them. And so once I realized that, and I like the word anyway, I'm like, I'm onto something here. Like, this is something that people are like, aha, I get it. You're helping people stand out. You're helping them develop their own remarkability. And so this is what I've been talking about as I come on podcasts like yours. Well, Rich, this has been an awesome conversation. I feel like we could, we could go on for hours on this. And uh, you also have a book, 
that can help people, um, you know, kind of guide them through the whole digital marketing, you know, find your ideal clients and customers. Talk to us about where we can find your book, where we can sign up for your newsletter, listen to the podcast. Tell us the best way to to get more rich books in our life. <laughs> sure. The The book is called The Lead Machine, A Small Business Guide to Digital Marketing, and it is much more on the tactical side without getting with more evergreen to, uh, topics. So we, I come to it and we talk about how to build a website that works, how to attract people to your website, how to retain their attention, and how to evaluate what you're doing. So that's the Bayer, B-A-R-E, Essentials of Digital Marketing. If you want to connect with me, honestly, the easiest thing is I am on every social media channel as The Rich Brooks. Spend a lot of time on LinkedIn so you can reach out to me there. If you're already listening to podcasts and you've got more time in your schedule, then, you know, hey, go check out the Agents of Change uh, digital marketing podcast. It is one of my subscribed podcasts. It's a great one. So be sure to check out the podcast as well. Rich, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. It was a pleasure speaking with you again. Katie, thanks so much for the invite. I really enjoyed our conversation today. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Rocky Mountain Marketing. Make sure to subscribe so that you can continue navigating the world of entrepreneurship. And I'd love to hear from you. Please leave the show a review and connect with me on social media. You can find me on Instagram at I am Katie Brinkley or connect with me on LinkedIn. And if you're ready to start making some sales on social media, be sure to grab my free guide to selling in the DMs without being spammy. You can get that at katiebrinkley.com. Let's keep taking your marketing to all new heights.